Welcome to What's On Your Mind. I'm your host, Nathan. Artie, how's it going? Going good, man. Thank you. Just out here thinking about Kanye West running for president. Yeah, man. We didn't talk about it in the last uh, podcast. Uh, way too much stuff to talk. But, um, oh, man. I just... It's a head scratcher for me, man. I mean, I, I guess they feel like if Trump won, uh, can be president, anybody can be president. So we'll have to see what happens, man. Hopefully he takes votes away from Trump. That would be great. <laughs> I don't know if it's a head scratcher or if it's a bang your head against the wall or... <laughs> Probably a little bit of both, man, because uh, I didn't see Kanye West um, doing this. But apparently he's off Trump's um, bandwagon, so who knows where this guy's going to go. I mean, they're talking about Jeezy running, being vice president with him, and uh, like, oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, this as long is... as he's more of a stable genius than Trump is, I think we should be in... Better hands, better hands. Yeah, I don't know about that, but we'll see. We'll keep you updated. <laughs> Fair enough. So, anyway, today's topic. We want to talk about healthcare. Is it a human right or not? Nate, what do you think? Health Is healthcare a human right? Artie, tell me first off, and for the listeners, what is a right? Great question. So let's get a little technical for a second. What is a right? Rights structure the form of governments, the contents of laws, and they shape the morality as it's currently perceived. So under that definition, do you think that healthcare is a human right? In that tense, no. But I would say it's a social right and that nobody should be denied coverage. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Because if you think about rights a little bit more deeply, I would say that there's three kinds of rights. You've got something called a claim, which is I have the right to do something. Right. Or I have the right to get something. You have a claim over something. And then there's rights that are liberties. So I have the right to be free from something. So I have the right not to listen to you. I have the right not to practice your religion. Versus I have the right to practice my religion. Right? So those are two types of rights. What's the third kind of right? The third kind of right is a natural right or a human right, which is maybe something that is natural. It's not man-made. And so what you are saying, I think, is that healthcare is not a natural right. It's not a human right. And it's not to say that we have a claim over it. Like we can't, we don't have the right to force someone else to give us healthcare. But what you are saying is that it's a political right. It's a social right. It is, we have the right to structure society that gives us this healthcare under certain conditions. Am I capturing this right? No, you're 100% right. It is a social right. And again, like I said, nobody should be denied coverage for not being able to afford it or, you know, whatever. It should be offered to everybody. Right. So, well, I should stop saying right. It's getting confusing. <laughs> Correct. So, Nathan, here's the question then. Why is it a social right? 
as far as... Well, you're saying that we as people, that healthcare is something that we as people or Americans should be able to demand from society. Tell me more about that. Should we demand it from doctors? Should we demand it from our government? Why can we demand this? So, yeah, we kind of talked about this before we got on the podcast that I believe it should be driven by the government. This should be something that's offered and mandated by the government, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But um, maybe then a better question for me to ask you is why is it important that everyone have health care? So for me, I, I kind of think about this whole COVID thing, you know. Um, a lot of people that are sick right now, if they don't have health care, you know, they're not going to the doctor or they're not able to go to the doctor. Right. And- Actually, can I stop you before we go any further? So just to clarify it so that everything's crystal clear. When you say that health care is a social right, are you saying that health care coverage as in health care insurance is a social right so that everybody should be able to pay for health care or are you saying that the provision of health care that uh is a social right that doctors themselves should have to administer health care to people and i'm glad you said that because there is a big difference between both and probably one of the biggest arguments of health care in general i am arguing that yes the doctors should not turn away somebody who doesn't have health care that health care is a provision a provisional, I, I'm a, I'll say provisional right. It is a provisional right in the sense that they should not be denied. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're going further than just saying that the government should provide health insurance. You're saying that doctors have to provide health care. Okay. So then, I mean, I guess the first question is why should... Okay, the first question is why is it important for everyone to have health care? And then we'll go from there. Well, like I was saying, I mean, if people can't get health care and they get sick, there's a good possibility that they can make others sick because they can't go into the doctor. They can't go see the doctor. And most people that don't have health care don't go see the doctor because they don't want to pay the co-pays. They don't want to have to pay any kind of medical bills or any kind of referrals that are tied to the doctors and all that. Um, So the fact that they don't go see the doctors and they get sick a lot of them walk around being sick, and that's how things spread. I mean, we see that with COVID. You know, I'm sure a lot of people that are sick that have COVID don't go to the doctor because they don't have health care. So they're kind of just fighting off themselves or go to the hospital. Right. So that's 100% true. Um, and I think what you're saying sort of in a nutshell, if I understand correctly, is that by not making uh, health care socialized, you are imposing costs on society, right? You're imposing external costs on society. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, it is fair. And you're also, you're also opening up the possibility of, like we're seeing right now, a pandemic happening because it's the battle between people that have health care and people who don't have health care. And the fact is that if it's offered to everybody, I'm not saying it stops a pandemic, but it helps in some instance because maybe people get it, get it, under control before it has to go to the hospitals. Because I guarantee you, a lot of people that are going to hospitals right now don't have health care. Right. Um, 
That's exactly right. But I think the first thing that someone would say against that is immediately they'd say, well, 99.9% of the time there is no pandemic. And so if people are just like breaking their arms, how is that imposing costs on society? And I would be like, well, well, what about the flu? Right. I think that's a great point. Um, but I think maybe even a another very sharp um, idea would be that, well, if someone who doesn't have health care breaks their arm, they're still going to go to the emergency room, right? You're not going to like sew it back on. <laughs> And that, that still, and emergency rooms have to take them. So then people are paying for someone else's service um, that they didn't pay for, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a point on that. But I also say, too, that, I mean, we don't know how hospitals work. We're assuming we know how they work. But, I mean, there could be instances where they could turn you away. We, we don't know for sure. I mean, um, I think Trump signed that, that, that um, I don't know if it was executive order or something, where um, I think, what was it? Was it refusing? Or you could, they could refuse to take people? I'm not aware of that. As far as I know, hospitals can't refuse service. Um, they could get you on the back end. They might be able to get you on the back end. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know too much about that. But, but sort of in support of what you were saying, I was going to say that even if it's something that's not contagious, it still poses a cost on society. It still imposes a cost on society. So I totally get that. But then I think the second thing that people would say is that, okay, um, fine, there's a cost on society. But isn't there a cost on healthcare providers um, if you like, why should we force healthcare providers to provide health insurance or sorry, healthcare if they're not going to be paid for it? That is, that is an interesting question. Cause, um, that, that does strike deeper into the issue. Um, this is going to sound kind of bad when I say this, but I mean, you would think and and I think doctors have other ways of making money. I mean, this is not just the number one thing. Is it is it a big probably a probably a big chunk of their check? Yeah, sure. You know, but there's you know there's other opportunities they can go through with drugs stuff like that. You know, there's other ways practices can survive. It's not just the end all be all. But I will say this, and this is kind of my point, and I'm not a doctor, so and I appreciate what they do, but this is kind of what you signed up for. You know, doctors should be less thinking about their wallet and thinking more about how they can help people out. Because I really believe that when you sign to be a doctor, you're not doing it to make money. You're doing it more for the how can I help people? How can I make a difference in that person's life and better their life and extend their life? Does that make sense? That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, I think one thing that doctors would say is that if I provide care, then I'm opening up myself to be sued. And so if you're not paying me to take on that risk, I it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't want to take the chance of you suing me, um, which is a thorny question. But here's what I would say. So sort of in support of what you were saying, that it's not that I, I kind of cheated you um, because I asked the question in a way that was misleading. 
And I think that a lot of people do this. They say, well, why should you make doctors give care if they're not being paid? I think the point that you're making is that if we have a system where healthcare is socialized, the doctors will be paid for <laughs> providing healthcare to everybody. That's kind of the point, right? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to leave them you know, behind or something like that. It, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm against them not getting paid. I just right. think I just think personally, when you look at these private practices, there's a lot of red tape. And you know, everybody's been to the doctor, and I don't know how many times I've gone to one doctor, paid a copay, and they send me somewhere else to go see a specialist. And a lot of times the specialists aren't even covered. You know, so yeah, if we could clean up the private practice, then yeah, I mean I, I could see what you're saying. You know, but that's my one of the big arguments right there is the private practices is a joke. It's 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 like you see that person, then they go send you somewhere else. So I think that you bring up a great point. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what you just said. But let me let me phrase it. Let me frame it with a question. What do you think is the negative impact of having a private healthcare system? Do you think that these problems that you're talking about of like people just spending, sending you to other specialists and then some of that isn't covered and, you know, going down the chain, do you think that that's an offshoot of having a private healthcare system? Um, I think for me with a private healthcare, for the one way I look at it from my standpoint is that you do what you want to do for, you know, what do you mean? Like you... Let me let me say this question. You said you're talking about private healthcare. You're talking about having your own, like all the practices being able to do their own thing. No, no, no. So okay. by private healthcare, I mean a healthcare system that is not run by the government. So the so right now we have a private healthcare system. Doctors don't work for the government. They work for hospitals. They work for businesses. They work for themselves. Right? It's a private system. That's what I, that's what I was kind of trying to say. Maybe I didn't say it right. They they kind of they have their own control. They do their they kind of do things their own practices. They do things by their own way. Right. They're not mandated by the government. I guess is what I was trying to say. Right. So okay. what do you think is the negative impact of a system like that versus doctors, for example, working for the government? Well, for one, I think it 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 creates it creates a lot of competition between all practices, and and I think. You know, when you give somebody so many options, it's overwhelming. And and a lot of times these practices, it's difficult to get in there because they either got full booked or, you know, you got to do this or that. Um, but also, too, for me, it's just that, I don't know, man, and it's really bad to say this, but there's some shady practices out there, man. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lawsuits. You mentioned a lot of lawsuits from these private practices um, people just trying to cut in corners and doing things kind of the wrong way just to make a buck, you know, and for me, it just, it just doesn't seem right, especially when somebody's coming in for your help. Yeah. So I think that the argument that a lot of people would make is that competition is good. That's what actually cleans up a lot of this stuff because in a free market, if there are practices who are competing, you as a consumer are going to go to the practices that are not cutting corners, right? Competition is good. There's no doubt. This country is based on a lot, of, a lot on competition. But the one thing I would argue in, fa in, 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 in light of that is that a lot of these practices 
people can't afford. You know? I mean, yeah, they provide a great service and all that, but their services are too expensive for, for the average people out there. Yeah, private practices are great for somebody who makes 100K a year, but is it okay for somebody who makes 20, 30K? No. That's why we have places like Community Care. That's why we have places that are low income for people because they can't afford these private practices. Right, right. And the problem is that I think that somebody would say, well, see, you sort of made our point for us because we have these community health care clinics. We have Medicaid or Medicare. We have all these other things. But I think what the response would be is that there are a lot of people who are falling through the cracks because on the one hand, on the high end, you have private practices who charge an arm and a leg. On the very low end, you have these community health care clinics and stuff. But there's a lot of in-between where people can't afford, but they're trying to be responsible citizens and have a job. And so they make too much to qualify for Medicare or community uh, clinics. Exactly. Case in point, the, even these community care clinics that they have out there, they have stipulations where a lot of times people do make too much, which is ridiculous because it is income based, a lot of it. But there are situations where they get capped. And then you're stuck in the middle. You can't afford the most expensive and you, you, you can't qualify for the cheap one. So what does a lot of people do? They don't have health care. Do you know what boils my blood the most? And this is something that I think most people don't know about. Tell me if you knew about this. Not only can you make too much to qualify for community health. Um, and uh, is it Medicare? Medicare. Medicaid. Medicaid. Did you know that you can make too little? That's the craziest thing to me. You can make too little to qualify for low-income healthcare. And it's almost like it's almost like the reason why they say that is because they don't think you can afford it at all. You know, like you make so little that you can't even afford our services, which is asinizing, like to the average person. Like, really? I mean, you're supposed to provide some kind of service, and you're telling me I make too little? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or it's this sort of BS idea that if we're like, we don't want as the government, we don't want to incentivize people not to have jobs. So if you have zero income, then you can't have health care. You have to have a job to make health to have health care. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, OK, so tell us one more time in a nutshell, then. Why do you think? that it's important for everyone to have health care. And again, by health care, you're saying it's not insurance that the government should cover, for example. It is the actual provision of health, right? So why is that important? Correct. It's important because, again, I'll beat this drum, nobody should be denied coverage for not being able to afford it or not or, or whatever, whatever provisions that, that pre prevent them from getting health insurance. Everybody should be allowed to have a form of health care. Why is that good for society? It's, it's good for society because, because, honestly, it's a good question. It's good for society because I feel like, I feel like if you look at today's world, a lot of the issues we see are health related mental mm. depression obesity diabetes a lot of it could be helped if they had the right professionals to talk to to maybe help them not go down that path does that make sense that totally makes sense but i think what people 
would say, or some people would say, is that that's not the responsibility of the government. That's on the individual. If you don't want to be fat, go lose weight. If you don't want to, you know, um, I don't know. I guess some of the more ignorant people would say, if you don't want to be depressed, go smile. But that's ridiculous, right? What I would say is, okay, that's fine. And when some mentally ill, disturbed person starts shooting up a place and they could have gotten help, but they didn't have the health care to do it, what then? Well, more guns, right? If you're the NRA. <laughs> guns for everybody. Um, anyway, jokes aside. Uh, okay. So you think that it's good for society because what again exactly? It's good for society because, like I said, a lot of the issues that we see in the world are related, are health related. You know, stress, depression, mental mental illness, obesity, diabetes. Or I could go down the line, twenty million things. I think, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of people want to go see the doctor, understand that they are either too fat or they've got issues and they need to see, seek a professional help, but they don't have the money to afford healthcare. Yep. Okay. So the reason that universal health care is important for society is because there are so many problems that could be helped that are medical issues, healthcare related, that the negative effects of those don't just affect the individual, they have spillover effects into broader society. So the point that you brought up, if someone has mental health issues and they don't have the means to seek help, they're liable to go shoot up a school, right? Essentially, or, they, or sorry, another thing would be if, um, if they live in a low income community and they don't have the means to go buy organic chicken breasts from Whole Food Market, they have to eat at McDonald's every day, they end up getting a heart condition, but they can't afford health care. They have a heart attack. They go to the emergency room. The emergency room can't turn them away. Those are our tax dollars paying for that health care. And so it's imposing a cost on society that's greater than the cost to the individual. Am I getting that right? No, you're right. And, and I would throw another point out there, too, that if people say, oh, they could just go to emergency care, they're not going to turn them away. Well, yeah, sure. You're, you're probably right. But my argument would be like if we had less people in the emergency rooms and people kind of got nipped it in the butt early on, you know, maybe we wouldn't see our hospital staff just overwhelmed. I think that's a great point. So, you, I mean, one of the biggest complaints or one of the biggest issues is that emergency care is extremely expensive, extremely expensive both in terms of the actual care itself, but also in terms of society because of long emergency wait room times, right? And so the cheaper option is providing, rather than the government providing emergency care, paying for it, the government should provide preventative care because that's much cheaper. Exactly. And I would also throw this point out too. you know, we talk about the whole private sector and how, you know, competition is good. Well, hell, if, you know, everybody had health care, maybe these other businesses wouldn't be, go out 
a business, you know, maybe they flourish more if they had more people, you know, rather than just going to the emergency room every time you, you your, your throat tickled or something like that. And and I would argue too that I feel like if you look at the statistics of the people in the emergency room, half the time it's not even emergency. They just mm. go because they don't have health care again. So here's okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so which brings us to our next question then. Why do you think that other countries offer health care for their citizens, but the U.S. doesn't, especially since we're the richest country in the world? That's a great question, and it's almost laughable to think that the richest country with all the resources in the world can't have a universal health care. It's, it's very sad. Um, other countries have shown it works. Europe, they can do it. 100%. So... This is my kind of thought on that. I think that because this society is so driven by the dollar that I feel like you talked about competition. You said health competition is healthy. Yes, it is. But too much competition can also be overwhelming too. I mean, everywhere mm. you go, if you try to open a business, there's a lot, three or four businesses just like what you do. So how do you separate yourself from everybody else when there's so many people that do the same thing you do? So I feel like that would be the argument that, oh, this is America. We need the competition. You know, if you can't survive, it's your freaking fault. You know, I, I, I just think that us as Americans, we're just so used to all the competitiveness and the saturation that we just get used to it. And the idea of just having one thing to get everybody can fall under is just kind of scary in some aspects. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Um I guess the thing that someone would say is that, again, competition is a good thing because it stabilizes. So like, so the example that you were saying uh, was that a hundred people have the same business if you want to get into that. But I guess people would say, well, that's exactly the mechanism by which that hundred and first person has to say, I have to come up with a better service or a better product. And that ultimately makes things better. My argument would be a lot of times, do they? Or do they just fall in that same category? Yeah, that's, I think that's a perfect, perfectly legitimate question. Um, the other thing that I would say is that there are certain... Let me see, what's the best way to phrase this? What is competition? Like, what's the purpose of competition? The purpose of competition from the perspective of the competitor, right? The business. Is that you have to provide a better service or product than the next guy over so that you win business and ultimately so that you maximize your profits. So competition Contrary to what a lot of right-wingers will say, and what a, lot of, what a lot of particularly libertarians and Tea Partiers will say, competition, the purpose of competition, is not to maximize innovation. The purpose of competition is not to maximize good service. The purpose of competition is to maximize profits. And if a business can maximize their profit by suppressing the quality, for example, 
or buying out a competitor and shelving their product, even if it's better, then that's what they're going to do. And so let me finish with this point is that if the purpose of competition is to maximize profits, is that really the system that we want for providing health care to our citizens? Or do we want a system that maximizes results? And my answer would be no. No, because two things you made a point about. When you when you were talking about the definition of competition, you know what I was thinking in my mind? I was thinking mm. greed. That is what separates us from other countries. We're the greediest people out there that all we care about is the almighty dollar. What did I say about the doctors? I don't mean to disrespect doctors, but a lot of these doctors are in these practices for the wrong reasons. They're looking at how much more bucks they can make for themselves rather than the quality of the service they give. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a doctor's office and it was a good doctor's office and I was upset with the service. Hmm. But they sure as hell charged me an arm and a leg for it. So you're saying that you think that the values that we as Americans hold are different than the values that the rest of the world holds. Yes, because again, I mean, let's look at this country right now. Everything is about me. It's not about mm. we. It's about me. What's best for me? It's all about me. I'm thinking about me. Me, 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 me. Where's the we? Where's the us? It's all me. I mean, that's why people hate us in other countries because we're so greedy. We have all the resources in the world and we can't even figure crap out in our own freaking country. That's fair. That's fair. Um, go I actually want to ask you that same question because you've lived in Europe and you offer a different perspective than I do. So why do you think the U.S. can't figure this thing out and get universal health care? Hmm, that is a great question. I, I would tend to agree with you. I think that the U.S. does hold a very different set of cultural norms and values than peoples of the rest of the developed world hold. But I think more precisely, um, I think it's, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. I totally get what you're saying when you characterize this division as a me versus we. But I think what Europe and Canada has right is that they are all still very selfish, right? They all still believe in the idea of maximizing one's own life, right? Well-being. But I think what they realize and what they grasp, which is something that the U.S. doesn't, is that maximizing your well-being as an individual, rather, your well-being as an individual is maximized when your neighbor's well-being is maximized. That's what the difference is. That's a great point because I was thinking when you were saying that that's another problem with, uh, with our country is that we are we are not sympathetic or empathetic of people. Yeah, but that but that's not what I'm saying, right? So I'm saying that 
throwing sympathy and empathy to the curb, right? Like throw it in the garbage can, put a line on it, send it to the recycling. What these people in Europe and Canada have understood is that doing good for your na- you should do good for your neighbor for purely selfish reasons. For pure, let me. You're giving me a weird look. What do I mean by that? Um, I'll give you a super simple example. Let's say we live in the jungle. You, um, a couple of us live in the jungle, and the jungle is next to a city. And um, we one day go to the city and see some cool stuff. And then on our way back to the jungle, I find a $10 bill on the ground, right? Now I can go buy cool stuff in the city. My neighbors cannot go buy cool stuff in the city. What do you think is going to happen? I I think my neighbors trying to maximize their own well-being are going to jump me, steal my $10 and go to the city and buy some cool stuff, right? So what would be the smart thing? How do I maximize my own well-being? Share the wealth. I share the wealth. I give each of my neighbors a couple bucks. I stay with more a couple bucks. Now we can all go to the city and buy cool things. Nobody's getting jumped. It kind of comes back to my point I made earlier about why if you don't let people get health care, they get sick and they make others sick. It's either you keep all of it for yourself. 100%. Or you suffer. A hundred percent. And I think that the Europeans and the Canadians understand this idea. And you know what? By the way, I was looking this up earlier. The UN understands this. This is actually in their human rights charter. They say that healthcare is a human right, by the way. So does the World Health Organization. Um, but beside the point, I mean, I think what the U.S. needs to, what people, what voters in the U.S. need to begin to understand is that Helping your neighbor can be a very selfish thing. And people don't want to think about it that way for some reason. They want to be so selfish that they are hurting themselves. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think you you bring up a great point. It's almost like rather than help our neighbor, we rather kick our neighbor out of the neighborhood and and get use their place for something else. You know, you just brought you like another example. Can I give you this? Let's say that your neighbor is a plumber, and your toilet broke, and you know that your neighbor is a plumber, and you know that your toilet is broken. It's like then voting to kick your neighbor out of the your neighbor out of the neighborhood. When you know that he's the one who could help you fix your toilet. He could make your life better. But because you want to maximize your own space or well-being or whatever, you're still hurting yourself. And, and when you said that, it kind of it kind of gave me a little uh, blood vessel pop in here because I, I'm an insurance agent. And nothing pisses me off more than people knowing I'm an insurance agent and they're going down the street to somebody else before they even come to me. And I'm like... Do you not know what I do? Or you do know what I do, but you don't care. You know, like, help, 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 help our, your brother out. You know, like, I mean, all we are, all, are, aren't we all people of God? I mean, I mean we, we practice and preach all this Catholicism and, oh, we're people of God, but sure as hell we don't act like it. Fair. 
But I think that we've been on the same side here a little bit. Um, so let me throw a couple difficult questions your way. And let's see. Let's hear your thoughts on these. So the first thing that you were saying was that uh, you think that the provision of healthcare, should, the cost of the provision of healthcare should be carried by society. It should not be private healthcare. Right. So everybody should be insured or rather everybody should get health care no matter how much money they have. So why do you think that that would be a better system? So what that would mean probably is that doctors are employed by the government or at least paid by the government only. Right. Um, so that if I'm someone who can't afford your services as a doctor, the government would pay the doctor on my behalf. Why do you think that that's a better solution than the government not taking over the doctors or the pay of the doctors, but the government being the only in medical insurer? It's a little technical, but I'd like to get your, your opinion. So, first off, I think it just gives too much power to the doctors. You mm, know, I think, I, I feel like, again, we're talking about if you're able to do your own do your things in your own practices, it gives too much power. I mean, they decide the rules. They get to figure out what they can and can't do, who they can and accept and they can't accept. You know, there's not really any, there's not really a lot of regulation with these private practices. Um, not saying, I'm, I'm not pushing for a bunch of regulation, but in this aspect, I would say without the regulation, they can do what they, they can do what they want. And, and, and let's be honest, a lot of, like you said, a lot of the competition is to make more profit. It's not about better service. It's not about taking care of your man. It's about, it's about money. It is all about the dollars. How much more money can I make over this other practice and even put it out of business so I can get more of their people? It's a greed factor. Yeah, that, that's, I think, a great point. So, so just to clarify that, what you're saying essentially is that if the government doesn't, if doctors don't work for the government, the government just insures people so that they just pay their bills. What you're saying is that this would open up room for a lot of corruption. So, or like picking and choosing patients, for example. Is that right? Yes, it is. But I'll even throw a better example to you. Look at our health insurance companies right now, how they're dominating the market so much and picking and choosing what they can charge their prices on and making the person have to pay it. Like there's people paying seven, eight hundred dollars for a family. There's people, there are people like you and me that if we want healthcare right now, we have to pay three hundred dollars. A single healthy person. Okay, paying. but but those are you're talking about health insurers, not right. Not I'm just giving I'm just giving you an example of. Again, there's not really a lot of regulations on it, so they can do what they they can do what they want. They can dominate the market if they if they choose. That's what that's what I'm trying to say with the private practices. If you don't put regulation on those private practices, they're going to do whatever they want to do. And yes, it does open for corruption. It does open up for people getting taken advantage of. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I guess the question is, how, what would that look like? And what that would look like would be, off the top of my head. It would be doctors, for example, only taking 
or only accepting the patients whose medical conditions they could charge the most for and turning everybody else away, right? Um, or people that can afford it. Right, or people who could, they would get subsidized by the government and then they could kick something over the top um, personally. That's a great point. That's a really great point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that the... Hmm. Oh, I mean, I guess the question is... So if prices are uniform, then yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think that that's a great reason to... Um, uh, to make the government... The, doctors work for the government so if the doctors work for the government i i think that uh most people who are against this idea the first thing that they would say is well without competition they why and if their doctors aren't getting paid a lot maybe they wouldn't do such a good job or maybe there would be wait times or do we want the government being able to tell us what medical care we can and cannot get just for the record, let's be honest. Just because they charge you more doesn't mean they're going to offer great service. I think that's a great point. I would also say, too, that, okay, you're saying... So, so basically you're saying that the, the, the argument would be that competition is good, that competition is needed, and you said something else. Yeah, yeah. I think that people would say that... Look at the way that other government agencies work. They're inefficient, they're slow, they're expensive. Why would we want our, would, would that happen to our healthcare? What do you think? Explain that again, please. So, so people will say that, look at the government agencies right now, that they're slow, they're inefficient, they're expensive. Do we really want to make our health care? Like, is that what's going to happen to our doctors if they work for the government? I get what you're saying. You're basically saying, you know, if the government's, if people have a negative perception of the government right now, we, if we do this with the health care, is it going to be any better? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, yeah not the perception, but the, but the actual health care provision. Is, is it going to be slow and inefficient and sort of the way a lot of government agencies are right now? Well, my like, argument, Do you want your doctor's office to be like the DMV? <laughs> No, probably not. My argument would be that right now where we are as a country, we still have the option of the prior practices on top of, you know, if people want to sign up for Obamacare, whatever. Um, and it's still a mess. So honestly, I would be like, let's see what it looks like. Let's, let's give it a shot first before we decide to just say, Oh, it's going to be just as bad as all the other government crap that we're dealing with, which, again, that's a right comment. It's not really the left necessarily. It's more of a right wing. Oh, no government, no involvement, not a, you know, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. <laughs> right. I mean, here's, as I'm listening to you talk, I mean, the first thing that comes to my head against the argument that I just gave you is that look at the UK. What is the UK medical system like? Well, it's nationalized, which means that you pay, you as an individual pay a certain amount of taxes every year. Part of those taxes go to the government. And with that money, the government employs all of the doctors, right? And so 
healthcare is free except for the taxes that you pay. Um, and it runs relatively well. The, some of them, some of the clinics do obviously have longer wait times. Um, some things may or may not be covered. But my argument would be, well, kind of to what you were saying, why can't you have parallel systems? Why can't you have a system where all of the doctors are nationalized or all of the healthcare is nationalized? And then if you want, then you can pay for a private insurance or a private doctor. Like if you have the money to do that, just do that. Let me ask you this question. Without using the word money, why is the doctors would they argue against that? Why would the doctors argue against working for the government? That is a great question. Without using money. Huh. Um, without using the word money, it's hard because I could be kind of cheeky about it and say, I think that they would say, maybe we wouldn't get the resources that we need. So like machines or enough nurses, um, enough hospital beds and good facilities, but all that stuff is related to money. Uh, so it's a tricky question, but I mean, I don't, I think that that's what they would argue that it's not how much they're paid. It's like the facilities and the resources they would have. What do you think? Let me give you um, an example, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or right on this. But let's take the ventilators right now. Yeah. Okay. It's asinizing to think that this country, full of resources, some states did not have enough ventilators to keep people alive, and some and some states did. I mean, at one point, um, Andrew Cuomo was pleading for ventilators in New York, in New York City. One of the biggest cities in the yep. United States. Yep. You know that New York City, or New York, yeah, New York City has one of the largest economies in the world, like bigger than a lot of countries. But sorry, that's getting off topic. So, what's your question? I don't know if it's a question. It's more so. It's just a fact. Is that's an example of what I'm thinking in my head? Those ventilators. So you're telling me that in Nebraska, let's just throw out Nebraska. Nebraska might have more ventilators than New York does, or or might have more ventilators than Texas does. Uh, again, it's all about competition. Who's got the most ventilators? Apparently, what, according to Trump, there's like a stockpile, and it is literally like an auction for ventilators. I thought that was the stupidest thing I heard in my life, that these governors have to bid for ventilators to keep people alive. That's the problem with competition, man. That That's what really irks me more than anything, is the competition isn't even about bettering your brother or bettering yourself it's more about the greed it's more about the money it's more about the, the 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 money handed behind the table all that stuff a corruption like you said i agree i agree and i think that this goes back to one of the earlier points that was made that competition is good for certain things but when it comes to social good to maximizing social good competition doesn't necessarily fit the bill Right. Um, and I think that this is a case in point that you don't want Texas competing against Nebraska, competing against North Dakota, competing against New York. No, you want the you want the ventilators to go not to whoever, whatever state can pay the most for them. You want them to go to 
wherever they're needed most. Now, the question could come up, well, who decides and how do we decide who needs the most? But that's a separate question, right? As long as the metric is maximizing the good and not who can pay the most, then I think that we're on the right track. Yeah, in a sense, it's almost like playing chess with people's lives. That's the way I look at it. Like, you're, you're in the. It's not even playing chess. This is the dumbest shit ever. This is like playing Uno with people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can say Uno, but but I, what I'm saying is like it literally. That's what it felt like, you know, when we were hearing these discussions about ventilators and how people were having to bid for ventilators. Like these people needed to survive. Like it is not even a debate. Get those ventilators to wherever they have to go. Who cares where the money is? We'll figure that out later. We're twenty million trillion dollars in debt. Let's who cares? We'll figure it out. Get it to where the people need it. Because here's the thing: people are stupid. Because in a sense, okay, well, they don't need all those ventilators. You need to go somewhere else. Well, what happens when those people come to your state and make you sick? And we're seeing that. That's why we're seeing hotspots all over the country, everywhere, because a lot of these people travel to other states. Right. But to be fair, to be fair. Like, I'm just as worked up about this as you are. But nationalized healthcare wouldn't not have necessarily taken care of that problem. Because that was not an issue of healthcare, private healthcare. That was an issue of states' rights versus federal government. Um, and for that, the. Sure, but a lot of people would. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but a lot of people would argue the government should have stepped in more. 100%. You know, but 100%. we have an idiot for a president. Let's just be honest. He thinks everything's a game. But, I mean, the fact is a lot of people argue the government should have stepped in more and just figured this crap out rather than giving it to the states. Because here's the thing. When you got a pandemic in your own state, you got other things to worry about. A lot of other things to worry about. This should not have been a state problem. This should have been a United States problem. And Trump should have got off his ass and figured something out with this. Literally. Took over and be the leader he should be. 100% agree. The interesting thing to me about all this is that when the pandemic broke out, um, what ended up happening is that healthcare for COVID became nationalized. It became socialized. What I mean by that is that all of the states in the United States of America said that they would cover the costs of any healthcare related to COVID. Why did they do that? Because they understood that the provision of healthcare in that instance, or the lack of provision of healthcare in that instance, would have a lot of negative effects on society. That this was a social problem. And so what boggles my mind is that if you can make this conclusion when it comes to a pandemic, you can make it with respect to COVID-19, why can't you connect those dots when it comes to every single other point of healthcare? That's what I don't understand. And it's kind of funny because like it takes a pandemic for people to open their eyes and realize, oh my God, maybe we do need a universal healthcare because Joe Blow next next to me is coughing and probably can't go see the doctor and he's going to make me sick. 100%, 100%. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. I will make one final point on this and then you tell me what you think. But I want to say this to all of those diehard capitalists and to all of those people who say that competition is the best way to 
do anything in life, why... I mean, I guess the question is, why do they think that competition is best within the healthcare system? Because even if, hypothetically, competition and capitalism produce the best results, the most innovation, the best technology, all of that innovation and best technology is only in a capitalist system, in a system in which healthcare is not socialized, all of that greatness only goes to the very, 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 very top sliver of society. It doesn't trickle down. Whereas you have how many millions, 40 million uninsured in the US? Some crazy number. I mean, personally, I would rather have a little less innovation, a little less being able to treat that tiny, tiny, extremely rare form of cancer than if 40 million could go get their broken arm fixed for free, right? Or if 40 million people could go get a flu shot, or 40 extra million could go get a regular doctor's visit once a year to tell them if they have heart problems, right? For me, it's, it's really sad because, again, I, I look at this country and we don't care about our brother anymore. Uh, like I said, we're ready to kick our brother out and take their house and make something bigger for ourselves. It's not about how we can grow together. It's more like, what's in it for me? You know, and, and I, I just feel like with that mentality, competition's only gonna get more corrupt, more tough, more ugly, stuff like that. It's not gonna be the right competition that will make this world flourish. Or a country for okay, so I know that I wanted to make a last point, but this is for real last point, and it and this comes to mind because you mentioned competition again, pre-existing conditions. So, I mean, how does competition relate to pre-existing conditions, and how does that relate to sort of the provision of healthcare or the provision of health insurance? So this is a big debate with healthcare. A big debate on both sides and this one's this one really hurts because anybody who has a parent um, grandfather grandpa um, young one that has a pre-existing condition then fortunately is gonna probably be terminal later on in their life and they probably won't live that long for companies to say no we don't want to cover you my my thought is and I told you this before the podcast who are we to play God? Who are we to decide that, no, you can't have this coverage, and if they can't get this coverage or get the kind of help or treatment they need, they're going to die, and probably sooner. And if, if for me, it's, it's just more, uh, it just hits the heart because that's not the right competition we need to do. We need to give everybody a fighting chance. I actually heard this, and this was really sad. So with all this COVID going on, apparently people that are older, like 80s, 90s, 70 years old, are being sent from the hospital back to the house with COVID. Hmm. And basically are going to die because they're not getting the treatment anymore because the hospitals need to open up for more people that are younger that have more fighting chance. And when I heard that, it was really sad because unfortunately 
that's kind of I feel like our country's going in that direction. The money, the power, the, the, the position, that seems to be the more driving force than necessarily how can we help somebody out? How can we do a good deed? You know, um, I'm, I'm going to give you one quick example. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, but I recommend it if you ever want to be a doctor. Uh, Patch Adams with Robin Yeah, Williams. I think I did see that. I, I love that movie because what did he do? He understood the system and the way the hospital was derived. He understood what it meant to be a doctor, but he didn't care. Because what did he care more about? He cared more about the people and making them important. Especially the ones that might be older or sick. He understood that they didn't have a lot to live for, but he wanted to make their rest of their life as enjoyable as possible. And I feel like as a society, we don't do that anymore. You know, and like I said, I gave you that example of the COVID thing because unfortunately that's what we're having to do. We're having to play God. We're basically telling you, if we can't treat you, you gotta go, you gotta go. Because we gotta make room for this person who's 20, 30 years old that's gonna have a fighting chance. And and like I said, it just ties to pre-existing conditions because a lot of times people are denied because of pre-existing conditions. Okay, but but here's there's a couple things that need to be said. So the first thing is that pre-existing conditions, uh, the controversy around pre-existing conditions applies to health insurers, not healthcare providers. Meaning that you can be denied coverage, insurance coverage for a pre-existing condition. And that's one of the things that Obamacare um, rectified. That now you cannot be covered, that you have to be covered even with pre-existing conditions. It was not doctors who were saying that, no, we won't cover you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that this whole thing about sending COVID patients back home, that's a separate issue called triage. And that's something that you as a healthcare provider sort of have to do. If you're constrained on resources, then you have to allocate them to the highest probability. They do this with organ donor lists. Um, but sort of uh, hear me out on the point that I'm trying to make is that one of the things that a lot of people who are against nationalizing healthcare will say is that is exactly this, that they don't want the government to say, oh, you have this condition. We don't want to treat you because we have to give the resources to everybody. So we're not going to treat you for this. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you made the point about the health insurance. Yeah, that's kind of what, that's kind of the big debate. You know, if health insurance companies would cover you or not. But again, they're, they're not regulated enough and they are able to make that choice. Right, and I think that to your point, um, sort of in support of what you're saying, is that if doctors are working for the government... Insurance companies are out. They, there's no more pre-existing condition talk at all. Like if you're a doctor, you have to take it. You have to take the patient. So I totally get that. Um, but as I'm talking to you about this, I guess the other argument against the pre-existing condition would be, or against the people who would say, I don't want the government regulating what care I can and cannot get, is something that we said earlier, which is that, okay, the government is going to provide sort of basic level of health coverage. But if you have money and if you have some very rare condition, 
you can always go pay to get treated elsewhere, right? Just because the government is providing some level of health care doesn't mean that you, if you have enough money to do it, can't go get additional care. Absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head. But again, it's giving everybody the option to at least have some kind of health care. Exactly. It's giving someone a baseline. A baseline, right? Okay. Well, I think that we've uh, beaten this horse to death. This horse to death. Um, even though we love horses around here, we are in Texas after all. Um, any final words, Nate? No, I mean, yeah, I said no, and then I said yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I feel like this is a very Texan response. Like no, but yeah. yeah. I mean, just you know, going back to what we talked about the competition thing. Um, I get it. I understand why competition is healthy. I, I mean. Every day we compete for something in life. I'm out here competing for hair. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. But but when it comes to affecting how people live health-wise in their lives, it shouldn't be that way. There's a lot of other things you can argue, hey, competition is healthy, we need to have enough of this to make the world go around, great. All for it. But in this aspect... People need to have health care, period. They need to be covered. Because, again, I go back to what I said. If you don't cover them and you deny them, they're the ones that are more likely to get sick because they live in either impoverished states or impoverished areas of uh, living. They maybe don't practice the most healthiest habits in the world. So if you're denying them health care coverage, they're probably going to get you sick. You know, because we see them all the time. We we go outside. We we know who's healthy, who's not healthy. You can just see them sometimes when you look at them. And having that opportunity for them to go get help, I think is essential. You know, and I wish that this country would wake up and realize that. That it's not about money. It's not about power. It shouldn't be about why I'm better than you and all this stuff. No, it's about, like you said, helping your neighbor out. And we need to get back to that. I don't know when we're going to do it. I don't know if it's going to take this president to go and before we figure it out. But we need to go back to helping our neighbor out. I feel like we're just so selfish. And all we care about is ourselves. And honestly, that's not the country that we found, we're found. we founded on. Okay. So final word on this, if you don't mind, I'll take it, is two things. Number one, healthcare for all is good for society because... Not having it costs us more. And number two, competition in healthcare is bad because competition maximizes profits. It does not maximize social good. And that's the final word. All right, Nate. uh, Thank you for this talk today. We'll see you guys again next week. Take care. Bye.